Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Hey, welcome back to Breaking Down Bits Season 4. We're doing it. It's the premiere of Season 4. Uh, man, I, I can't, we're still, we, we haven't got canceled yet. We're still doing it. Uh, still having great conversations, uh, with comedians, just breaking down bits as it were, um, still doing the, uh, virtual open mic. You can hop in there, uh, breaking down bits.com or, uh, you can, sorry, you can email us at breaking down bits at gmail.com to hop in there. A little feedback, mic, work some new jokes. Uh, get feedback from people all over the country and all over the world. It's uh, it's been great for us. And uh, if you want to give it a shot, shoot us an email every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Eastern. It's been a really productive for me. And I know a lot of comics who have come on board have given us great feedback about how it's helped them with their joke writing process. Uh, you can also get us on social media at Breaking Down Bits. And you can even message us there. We'll get you into the mic. So uh, follow us. Like us, subscribe at Breaking Down Bits on all the social media platforms. And as Drew mentioned, BreakingDownBits.com is where you find all of our episodes. Uh, You can go back and listen. We do a season three recap, so go check that out if you want the cliff notes of everything we did in season three. But let's quickly call back to our last guest, Matthew Broussard. You got a call back, Drew? Yeah, it's tough. That was such a great episode. I recommend it to you. He's such a clean. The way he breaks down writing is so clinical. He's just, he's very well-spoken and he, and he brings out in such a way it's hard to pick just one clip, but I would say one of the fun moments was when he was talking about like how you structure your set, especially when it comes to like open mics and stuff, you know, you got the, the shit sandwich, the shit, big Mac open face <laughs> shit sandwich. Um, just, yeah, just a great idea to remember. Like when you're, even when you're doing open mics, you want to like, sometimes we're tempted to just do all new material but you want to win over the crowd. You want to, where do you put the new stuff in? It's a small little tip. There's so much more in there, but that was one you can't forget. Once you hear someone say a shit Big Mac, you really, you're not going to forget that ever. Yeah. And that was a great part. And another part he talked about mosaic when you're building out a longer set, which I thought was just so smart. And his analogies are just on point. Uh, and just him overall, like, let's see, he's educated, he's driven and good looking. It's just, he was going to succeed uh, if, if since he chose stand up. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm stalking him, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, my callback was the one you used, but I'll, I'll go oh, a different sorry. direction. It's all good. Uh, his writing. So he, a lot of comics will do this. They'll say, look, I'm not disciplined about writing. But then he talked about using social media and he talked about using Twitter uh, to in Facebook to get the word economy because at Facebook, you know, clearly you're limited to a certain number of characters. And in Facebook, it, it goes small. Like here you get the big text and he's like, I want to fit it in that big text. Yeah. Isn't that kind of neat to, to use that to, to tighten up your jokes? Yeah, I think that's a great technique. Also gets it out there so you can see if it's if it's getting any uh, connection or, uh, you know, just get, getting some feedback immediately on social media you know whether you want to take it to stage or not but yeah i think so there's something really good sometimes you keep a joke in your in your notebook or on your phone and you never quite craft it out doing it on social media forces you to go ahead and and order it out craft it out make it a coherent phrase uh and that's just a good that's a good exercise you know 
Absolutely. So go check out that episode, Matthew Broussard, and all of our episodes on BreakingDownBits.com, all the plat- the podcast platforms where you find your podcast. You want to get to our guest? Yep. Let's do it. Uh, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Aristotle Georgeson is a comedian, writer, improviser, musician, and performance artist based out of Los Angeles, California. His alter ego, Blake Weber, has amassed over 4 million followers and hundreds of millions of views across the internet and on TV. He's appeared on Netflix's Cooking on High, Viceland's Flophouse, Vice Magazine, and has the most disliked video in BuzzFeed history. He's the co-host of the podcast Killing It and Country Club Adjacent. Aristotle, how are you, man? What's going on, guys? Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate the appreciate you coming in. Uh, you're such a you have such a unique take, a little different from a lot of the standups that we've had on the show before. For, so we're excited to get into some different stuff and kind of maybe uh, get into some topics that a lot of standups are not so great at. That that's actually kind of your expertise. Of course, yeah. No, I'm happy to be here, guys. Thanks for uh, reaching out and having me. Absolutely. So the first part of the show, what we like to do is really understand a little bit about your career trajectory and mm-hmm. frame it in such a way that a lot of listeners are either newer at stand-up or are thinking about getting into stand-up. So that's kind of the base of our listeners. Uh, there's, there's more experienced people too, but focusing on those breaks that you found along the way uh, as, you, as you kind of go through your story. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. So I guess uh, I started stand-up when I started with comedy in general uh, with stand up, when I was in college, that's when I started doing it consistently. Um, but I, I mean, my first uh, stand up sort of performance ever was in high school at the talent show. I uh, I'd always been like a fan of like uh, Robin Williams, and uh, you know, at that time, I guess this was back in like two thousand six. Uh, seven, I would say it was like, um, like Dane Cook era. And of course, uh, like Pablo Francisco, like I liked the guy, uh, like, uh, Jim Brewer, all like the guys that were like, were big and like very, uh, theatrical. Um, and so I did my high school talent show and I, it was like amazing. Like I, it bear in mind, like my material was basically just, I basically just did Pablo Francisco's movie voice thing, but like with my own fucking words, like it was terrible uh, looking back at it, but it like destroyed and it like was like, Oh, I guess I could do this. And so in college, I just like would tell people like, yeah, I'm a comedian (laughs) because I was the worst. And uh, I guess it was my junior year or, or was it for, it might've been actually uh, fall senior year. I, um, got a job at the uh, uh there was a comedy zone in tallahassee and so i was a server there and i would just like watch the comedians all week um while they were in town and it just kind of gave me courage to finally be like yo i could try this or whatever and so i did i went to their open mic night and it was it like awful i i had one of those moments where I uh, froze on stage. Like I forgot what I was talking about 
And I just like froze and I was just like, what the fuck? And I like immediately was like, all right, have a good night. Bye. And I just like got <laughs> off stage and freaked out. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to do comedy ever again. Um, but at this point I had told so many people that I was like a comedian that um, this was some sorority girl. She asked me if I wanted to like do their fundraiser as like a stand. I was like, of course. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, this is, this is, I got this. And, uh, and so I like, I went back and started going to open mics at like alternative venues and stuff. And, um, uh, I basically just hadn't, haven't stopped doing stand up since, you know, it's definitely evolved along the way, but that was like my sort of inception to it was, was this uh, this path where I was like, yeah, I can be a comedian. It's like, no, I can't be a comedian. It's like, no, I have to be a comedian because of the pride. And then I just, I fell in love with it, you know, once I started um, doing like actual shows and meeting other com comedians and, and whatnot. Um, so that's sort of like the inception. Uh, I spent like a year down in South Florida. Uh, I would I would like host at like all the improvs. They had the Miami improv, you know, Palm Beach improv. And then... Um, Fort Lauderdale, uh, I would tour a little bit through like, there's a little circuit call, uh, of clubs called bonkers. And so I would, I would do that. And I realized that I just wasn't really resonating that well with crowds in Florida. And so I, I of course like blamed everybody but myself. I was like, yeah, it's, it's the old people. And like <laughs> to an extent it definitely was, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin, it's definitely, you know, I was like an immature, comedian i didn't know what to what like i just did what i thought people would think was funny and it was i don't think it was like really true to like who i was to an extent um but then i moved to los angeles and uh i got like a crash course in like sort of like what the industry was really like you know because when you're when you're in uh especially back back in like 2012 or 13 it, it's not I feel like the stand-up comedy, if you weren't in one of the big three cities, was very, um, was very, uh, like, it was kind of just like you're in a bubble, you know? It's not, it wasn't the same. And so when I came to LA, I was like, oh, wow, this is sort of the, what the industry looks like. This is what the fucking pros look like. Cause I finally, you know, could go to the Laugh Factory. I could finally go to the comedy store and really just like see what that was all about. And so I started tooling and uh, rebuilding as soon as I moved here. And, uh, you know, I did that for uh, about the first like three or four years that I lived here. And at that time was the emergence of Vine and Instagram. And I hated Vine. Like I thought Vine was like really dumb. And I was like, man, fuck this, dude. Fuck these fucking kids that think they're funny. They, they're just... And it was, I got so mad because you just see these like recycled jokes from like the eighties and people legitimately uh, were seeing it for the first time. They're like, Oh, this guy's the funniest person. It's like, motherfucker, this people have been doing this joke in comedy clubs since 1976. Like, what are you doing? Um, and so I hated Vine, uh, but Instagram video came out and I was like, Oh, well th this is a platform that I could fucks with. And so I started making my own Instagram videos and then um, at the time, I was working for a weed vaporizer pen company, and I would go to these fucking trade shows and see, like, all these people vaping, and I just thought, like, it was just, like, such a funny character, and 
there, you know, no one was really sort of making fun of it. And so I had a few jokes in my standup act about vaping um, that would crush because I would go into this character, um, this character's voice. And uh, I kind of had a, um, I kind of had this like revelation, like, oh, I could perform this character uh, online and troll people with it. And so I created uh, an Instagram account called Blake Vapes. And I uh, just started making terrible vape videos. And I, I, I sort of had the idea to make this guy like delusional as fuck <laughs> and uh, just thinking he's always crushing it. And so I started the account and it started to pick up a little steam from uh, meme pages and, and pages that thought that it was real. <laughs> um, and it just kind of perpetuated this, like this, this character. And it kind of was giving me feedback that I needed in order to like keep doing videos and keep, and keep making it. Um, so I, that's exactly what I did. I made like a documentary about the character um, and it was really well received. I made another documentary about the character after doing like a Kickstarter campaign. And at, by the second documentary, I had like, you know, 160,000 followers or whatever. Uh, and I was like, this is uh, an interesting path. So I started focusing my time and energy on this character and uh, seeing where it could go. And it's just, uh, it just hasn't really stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we actually talked to, uh, I forgot who, uh, maybe it was um, at the end of last season with uh, Matthew Broussard. He, oh, yeah. Uh, he's a guy who's done L.A. and New York, and he made the observation that in L.A., things that kind of pop off are more character-driven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so that makes sense that maybe that was the perfect place and the perfect thing to do in L.A., whereas in New York, it might have been received slightly differently, perhaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. And part of the reason why I came to LA is because I did have uh, a little bit of improv background when I moved here. And then when I got here, I, um, I immediately uh, did UCB classes. I went through the whole, all level, the level, level six and everything. Um, and then I, uh, I, I joined a Herald team for a small period of time. It was funny because I, I had to audition like three times to finally like get it. Um, but and then when I was on the Herald team, I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, but, you know, I did I did shows with them, you know, every weekend for like, I don't know, five months, six months, something like that. And that really just like that really just gave me some so much chops in uh, in the acting space and whatnot, because you know, these are your, these are the best improvisers in the world and you're just like among them and you're like, Oh, I better fucking be good. And then, you know, kind of try just figured it out a little bit. I heard something particularly inspiring for standups. So a lot of, we find, as Drew said up the top, a lot of standups uh, don't know where to go with social media. Yeah. And at best, what I'm seeing is let me just post my standup clip, but that, you know, that's not really the uh, I don't think it's moving the needle. And so mm -hmm. what you did was you took a character that you did on stage and, and we all have them or a lot of us do have them uh, that we do on stage and, and brought it to life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, comics listening, reimagine any characters or voices or act outs that you're doing on stage and think about if you can make that more dynamic and think about how that can go online. 
uh, is a great strategy to start building your social media account. And it, and it really what pop, sounds what popped off your career. So that's really inspiring. It really did. And, and the joke that I used to do on stage was like, uh, yeah, it was when vape was at its peak, dude. So it was like 2014, 15 ish. And the joke was, was like, um, I was like, you never, I was like, does anyone hear vape? And then people would like raise their hand or not. And I was like, it's interesting. Cause you never have to ask a vapor, like what they're vaping on. They, they're just going to tell you no matter what, like you just walk <laughs> by and it's like, dude, you want to try this blueberry, blueberry yum, yum, dude. It's so fucking good, dude. It tastes like blueberries and fresh yum, yum. Like my grandma used to make. And like, and then I would just keep riffing in the voice to see how long I could get laughs for. And it just got to a point where like, I could just keep going in the voice and just keep getting laughs. And I was like, all right, this is something, this is, this is something. And I just like, you know, I got to a point where I was like, so depressed in LA where, cause the open mics here are just so bad. And, uh, I got, I was getting really depressed going to them and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I was like, just looking for any sort of outlet. And, uh, so I just started making these videos and with that character, knowing that like, all right, it crushes on stage. How can it not crush, you know, uh, uh online on a different platform? Yeah. So there's a lot of the stuff that you create, um, on the, on the videos and stuff. Is that just a lot of riffing that gets there or are you, uh, I mean, is that something that's more thought out? Like how do these, how do these things uh, come to fruition? Is it, I feel like maybe a lot of it's riffing, but how much yeah. is, is really planned and really like pen to paper writing, you know, to create this stuff. So with my standup, it's always been very much like idea and then riff it out on stage till it's polished. And I would say a lot of the time that's how, my videos have been filmed. Uh, it's like idea, riff it out on paper, uh, riff it out on cam till it's polished. Um, and then, uh, you know, over the last like two or three years, since I started doing more sketch type stuff, um, it, it's, it's been literally down the middle on like, all right, today we're just going to have a random idea and we're just going to fucking shoot and see what happens. Where And then versus, all right, here's basically the structure of our sketch. Here's the lines that we definitely want to get. Uh, and let's also just play around within that. So it's, it's, it's kind of 50-50. It used to be like 80-20 in terms of just riffing versus writing. And, uh, uh, you know, my, my philosophy on comedy uh, has always been the funniest thing uh, on stage, funniest thing on camera, the funniest thing that can happen is something that's uh, built within that moment. So, you know, you look at like a lot of classic comedy lines. The one that really comes to mind is uh, from Anchorman when they're sitting there and uh, Steve Carell's like, I love lamp. Like <laughs> that whole entire sequence was improvised and it was just him just like, look, like looking at things in the room and saying that he loves them. And, and then Will Ferrell calling it out. And, and that was not at all plant, um, which I find interesting. And, and, and I find that to be the case in a, a lot of, uh, a lot of movies when you hear the stories behind the scenes or whatever. Um, so I, uh, I believe that too, when it comes to comedy, you know, I, I can, from me personally, I've had, you know, shows where I'll start off riffing and I'll be murdering. And then I go into material and everyone's like, all right, that's fine. And I go back to like riffing and it just starts crushing again. And so, I just, I think that 
the funniest thing that can happen is something that happens in the moment. It's the most memorable. It, it makes the show about the audience. And, uh, I, you know, it's just that that's sort of where my head went. And so that's why I'm such like a strong uh, proponent of like improv and riffing um, both on stage and on camera. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great point. Like I, I'm in a place recently where <clears throat> I've noticed that I like, improv imp- improvising and and crowd work and, and that riffing on stage is not a thing that i'm like ultimately comfortable with yet still mm-hmm. working on that still trying to find uh that comfortable place and as i'm watching like especially in o- the open mic scene's not terrible here in houston we actually get audience members it's not right. like la or new york where you're just performing for comics they're actually yeah. real people real humans in there <laughs> uh it's nice um, and I noticed if you watch those mics, the people who really do well, especially in a captive, maybe like, you know, an audience that wasn't ex- even expecting comedy to be there that night. The guys that excel are the ones that can bring the audience in, can yeah. talk about what's happening in the room, get to know people. And if you're if you're getting up there and just doing straight material, even if the material's good, a lot of times you get a meh, meh yep. from the audience. And yep. so that I love I I I, I just want to like, are you teaching a master class I can take? Because uh, I, I want to know, I want to know how to, or maybe, maybe there is a couple things that you noticed about, um, you know, riffing or crowd work or doing that. Are there a couple little like big rules that you think about or big takeaways that you would say, here's step one of getting better at creating those memorable moments? Mm. Um, for me, it's, it's always trying to find connections. So like, um, for, uh, for instance, uh, when we were doing the show in Jacksonville, um, so one, one of my things that I always try, even if it's like a stretch, I'll try to piece something I said earlier with something that just came up in the room. Um, so for instance, um, I was asking, there's two girls in the front and I, and I, and I pointed at one of them, I was like, Hey, is, is your name Ashley? And She's like, no, but my sister is. And I was like, oh, so you're, uh, you're pretty much Ashley, basically. And then, uh, and so I, I held on to that, knowing that this person's sister's name was Ashley. And then later on in the show, someone in the back was like, uh, how, how big's your dick? And, and I was like, you know what? Why don't you just ask her sister, Ashley, dude? She knows. <laughs> and just putting that connection together was, is like the, it was perfect because then they're like, Oh my God, he said Ashley earlier. He just said it. So like having like, so I just try to like, remember, you know, essentially one thing from anybody that I talk to so I can piece it together with, um, with something else because that'll always, it'll always work. And and so lately, you know, on stage, I've been performing mostly as Blake. I've kind of been doing like this weird, like sort of like Blake, slash me hybrid show where I'll do like, uh, like I'll, I'll organically find my way into some of my, um, some of my favorite like bits that I, that I do and some of my newer material that I've, you know, been, uh, writing. Uh, so, but, but in, but in between that is what I'll do, what I'll do is the crowd works. I'll have people ask me questions and I'll just, uh, sort of like play around and tell fake stories. Yeah, when you did that in Jacksonville and you just said, Hey, here's five questions. Go. Yeah. Um, you are you you have obviously just cultivated, I guess, through your UCB and your improv, you were so comfortable 
no matter what someone threw at you, you found a fun way to, I mean, that's just, that's where I think a lot of comics want to get where you can be so as vulnerable as to say, just throw me a question and I'm confident that I can make it funny. Like that's what a, that's a place I think every comic wants to, wants to get. Yeah. It's just, and it's so much fun for me because like I thrive on like that adrenaline like I need to like be like in danger. And so when I'm on stage and I feel like I'm in danger, like I'm heightened, I'm at my, like, that's when I'm at my best. You know, if I'm like up there being comfortable or like, I'm just sitting there just, you know, going through my set or whatever. Uh, it's just, it gets monotonous and boring. So I, um, I just like to, I just like to be like at any moment, anything can happen. Yeah. When, <clears throat> when the stakes are higher, uh, that's when you, you tend to, to, you're up against the wall, something good will come out. You, you, you gotta, you gotta trust in that and trust in, in your wit. And, uh, Drew, you gave a really actionable, uh, thing for Drew's question, which is basically just create a callback, just have a quick conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. re recall it, and then try to work it in later. And that's something you can just work out at these open mics, um, as, as something you can just kind of add into your set more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it comes to uh, doing Blake on stage, um, one thing that I know that, you know, is helps me mentally when there's like a, if there's a lull in, uh, in stuff is that I'm doing the character on stage. So the whole time I'm on stage, that's the bit. The bit is like, why the fuck would this guy be qualified to be doing anything on stage? And so um, for me, it's it, it helps me because everything that I'm saying is part of the joke, whether it's funny or not, it's all part of the joke, the bigger, the bigger joke. So um, that's that's definitely uh, helpful. And it allows me to take say things that aren't funny, but play them off as though they're hilarious and the audience will buy into it every time you like sometimes like sometimes someone will ask a question. Let's say I do like two or three questions in a row. And I get punchline, punchline, punchline. Someone asked me like a ridiculous thing, like, "What's your favorite? What's your what's your favorite article of clothing?" And and then I just dead, I can just deadpan be like pants, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I know that that'll get a laugh because it it wasn't meant to be funny, but it's funny because it wasn't meant to be funny. And then and then you know I can I can move on from there. Yeah, because at that point, like the character is so outrageous. Yeah, the, the left turn can only be less outrageous. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the, that's the only place to go. Cause outrageous is what people expect. So yeah, that's yeah exactly. So if you keep it grounded and real, that's you're gonna, you're gonna win with that. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to see it in action and, uh, and it was super fun. And I just love the idea of, of getting better at crowd work. I know that's something a lot of comedians struggle with cause I am one of them and any, when you when you get into crowd work or when you start with let's say you come up a lot of people are like hey what's your name what do you do for a living or whatever uh to me that i i struggle with that it feels canned for me mm -hmm. but some comedians that we've talked to said look what else are you gonna do that's just a that's just an opening line you would say to anyone at the mall or in public it's totally normal i liked your questions thing any tips on beginner steps to crowd work how, how do you like to get into it is it just a hi how are you doing or is there some little strategy that you use to to make it a little more interesting a little more fun so for me i like to just straight up make assumptions about people like i'll just go right in with like uh is your uh 
your name's Bradley, isn't it? Like, I'll just go in and just like start like, uh, you work at, you work at such and such or, um, or, or you guys have never, you guys definitely have never had sex or like, this is, you know, just, just make like, just make a blanket assumption at them yeah. and then see what happens. Yeah, Cause there's, there's a couple outcomes, right? You could nail it and that's yeah. funny. Yeah. It could be like really far from the truth and that's funny. And so there, you just, you've given yourself these different angles other than you have to respond to exactly what they say. It's kind of neat. You, exactly. And, and, in and, in to me, if you, when you nail it, cause I like, sometimes I'll just nail it and it's just, it's it like everyone's mind is blown. They're like, what the fuck? Like, I remember this one time I was at this show and this guy wasn't paying attention. He was just at the bar talking to some lady and he was like really old and she was like younger. And I was like, all right, he is definitely some, he's rich. He's definitely in tech because I knew where we, we were in, um, at Manhattan beach. And like, there's a lot of like tech places in that general area. And I was like, he's rich. He's a hundred percent in tech. Uh, they've maybe met once before. Uh, he's got two kids. Um, and she is, this is like where she comes every Tuesday for tacos and margaritas and like everything was right. Except he had like four kids <laughs> when they finally started talking, it was just crazy to, to see the build up because then I, I was like, asking him, I was like, all right, so what do you, where do you work? And he's like, he's like, well, actually I just, I, uh, sold, he literally, it was so funny. He literally sold Shazam. <laughs> he's like, yeah, so I just sold my, uh, my tech, uh, Shazam. And I was like, told he's in tech. I knew it. I knew he was in tech. I was like, and then do you know this, do you know this lady? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, how many times have you met? He's like, well, he's like, this is, uh, this is like our second date. And I was like, boom, he already knew her uh yeah how many kids do you have he's like four and i was like god damn it and then that was that was funny i was wrong but barely <laughs> that's fun yeah i like that idea that's a fun idea just to, instead of just when you just launch in there it's it's a little more interesting than than, than asking a question and have like also it slows down when you launch in it makes it faster mm -hmm. you get right yeah, into the fun stuff faster and you can ask questions, you know, I always launch in and then follow up with questions. Um, you can ask questions. It's just, uh, it, it just seems like it's more uh, traditional. And when you ask questions, sometimes people don't like being put on the spot. And so they'll freeze up and then that makes it weird for everybody else. And then now it's weird for you. And, it, and whereas if you just like launch in, you're just like, you're, you're Becca, aren't you? Like they have no choice but to say yes or no. Whereas if you ask them, like, "What do you do for a living?" Sometimes they're like, "Well, uh, it's complicated." Uh, yeah, I got two jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, you're just you're forcing you're forcing it, and you're making it easy for them because you're because there's only a couple of responses. You're literally you're not that's asking kind of, a huge open-ended question. That's mm -hmm. kind of our job, isn't it? We're supposed to make they're supposed to be able to sit back, relax, enjoy themselves, and we're supposed to entertain them. And if you're really pulling from them, you're 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 taking away from them, right? From their experience yep. in some way. Yep. Man, that's yeah. fun. So um I do want to talk a little bit. Uh I, I love that portion of just the conversation on crowd work and improv improvising. I'm a <laughs> improvising. I speak English. Uh, and crowd work and uh, uh, and riffing and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. also want to talk a little bit about, I mean, you've spent so much time with social media, with mm -hmm. Instagram and all this stuff. Talk to us a little bit about things that 
that comedians should be doing, things that you've done that found like maybe the most success? Uh, what really got the most traction for you and what were those big things that happened? Um, you, you talking about just in general or, um, yeah, I mean like obviously like creating the Blake vapes, uh, and, and the, and the Blake Weber stuff. Um, yeah. what tech, is there some techniques or is there some strategies or is there some type of things you created that really move the needle more than some other things that you tried maybe in a little more granular, uh, thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so realistically it sounds like so annoyingly cliche, but it's like, you just got to keep, you just got to keep doing, doing the stuff, you know? Um, and I didn't, I got, I, I don't know if it was like lucky or just like good timing or, or what, maybe it was like a combination of everything. But, um, you know, when I was doing the, just the vape, uh, sort of character, um, it was like, I, I would get, I got lucky because people would share my videos, you know? So like, and I, and what I figured out was that I had, um, I had certain formats that performed really well. Um, and so I would just, I would do those video formats, um, you know, between, so I would say there's like four styles of videos that I used to make. And like one was like a guaranteed banger. The other one was like kind of, um, it was like, could go, could pop off, might, might be normal. And then the other two styles of videos were just like experimentations or, um, videos that I, or pictures or videos that I knew could just like get me on base to making the next post. Um, so, so yeah, it was like finding your formats that work and then playing within those. Yeah. And I think I recall you saying that maybe one of the things that the most shareable content that you created was maybe some of the voiceovers with Cardi B and it yeah. kind of like world star, yeah, uh, re retweeted those and shared those. Yeah, and and those came those came. Uh, you know, I think I started doing those in like 2018. Um, and uh, essentially at that point when I started doing like the voiceovers, I had like 300 and something k followers, and um, uh, the Cardi B ones were the the first ones that I did because I I would see her and she would say like just the most ridiculous shit. And I just thought it'd be funny to like put an exclamation point on what she said um, by adding my stupid voice. So, yeah. <laughs> so those were those, that was sort of the inception of the voiceovers. And then I found six, nine, uh, mm -hmm. I found his account um, when he had like 50 K followers. Uh, oh, and I was wow. like, what the fuck is this guy? Um, and then <laughs> And then he started pumping out videos and I was like, all right, well, this is somehow way worse than Cardi B. <laughs> so I have to, I have to do that to this. I have to put my voice on these videos and it, uh, it worked out really great. Um, you said some stuff that is, we, like you said, it's cliche, but it's so important to hear consistency, stick with it and then measure like how are things performing? Uh, and maybe you can share a little bit about the tools and things that you, that you were using there. Uh, and then, uh, and then thinking about what's shareable, why, why would somebody want to share this? If you think of your content in that perspective, that's how you can really pop off and grow. But the, the tools part is interesting. What, how are you measuring? What were your, I mean, really it just came down to, uh, at the time, literally just, uh, uh, likes and comments. And I would say comments were, were more important to me because that means people were like actually taking the time to like engage with the, 
with the videos. And then, um, you know, world star, uh, was such like a huge proponent of what I was doing. So they would, uh, pick up my videos and share those. And it really, it really was, um, to an extent in order to, to grow online and do this, you have to, you have, your shit has to get shared very rarely anymore. Are you just going to be like an organic like growth and, and, and I would say I was, you know, I found a very organic way to grow. Uh, but even still, it, it it really came from people passing around your videos uh, from other platforms where you normally wouldn't be seen. Yeah. And, you, and you're picking, you picked celebrity figures that were other wildly popular. Yep. Um, you know, you're, you're super relatable stuff that people that everyone know. Like, I feel like sometimes my comedy is a little, uh, and the things that I think are funny sometimes are a little too, too niche and they're too, uh, they're not necessarily something that's widespread understood or whatever. And so, yeah. So I think when you're, when you're trying to create social content, maybe the, maybe you got to get outside your bubble and find something that is, that everyone kind of has a reference for, cause that that's way more people obviously can enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, it was definitely helpful doing the voiceovers. And, and so then those ended up growing and turning into, um, you know, it went to, you know, animal videos. Uh, and I found another really niche thing uh, with the robots, um, <laughs> which is actually fascinating because that is, I'm actually working, um, working on a cartoon right now that is essentially about the robots that are stuck in a lab. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, uh, that sounds great. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be really funny. And, uh, it, I have a meeting later today. We just, um, we just signed an artist to the project and we're going to look at the, actually the first rough sketches today. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but that became its own niche. And so now it's, it's interesting on my page. What I found is I have people that are there for, my Takashi six, nine voiceovers, people that are there for my sketches, people that are there for the animal voiceovers, people that are there for the robot voiceovers. And so it's like, I've got this whole like culmination of followers that are there for all the different types of styles of content that I do. And, um, it's just, uh, it's good because it keeps you on your toes. Like I get to be creative in a bunch of different outlets. Um, I get to, you know, stay within the rules of this character and it's just, uh, it's fun. And it, it, uh, it, it lets me explore many different avenues. Yeah. And you, and you have, and you even do music, uh, and maybe Brian, we should, we should queue up the clip. Mm -hmm. we, haven't, we haven't played those yet. Maybe give people a little bit of a sense of some of the different things. So we have like a clip of one of the songs. I think it's called vitamin a, <laughs> That's right? Uh, and then we have a clip of that Cardi B voiceover. And then uh, you also did or uh, a real or fake TED talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that was, that was my show when I tour as Blake. It's a, okay. it's like a fake TED talk. Gotcha. Okay. So there's three clips. You can kind of get an idea of, of the scope of some of the different stuff that Aristotle does as Blake Weber. Let's go. I stay away from bleach. No antifreeze. I stay away from poison. I don't want that, please. No, I don't eat babies. I don't eat cats. I don't eat hamsters. I stay away from that. I stay away from bleach. No antifreeze. I stay away from.
to do the TED Talk, I was hella nervous, dude. But I realized, like, dude, it's not about you and your nerves. It's way bigger than that. It's about the movement. Why are you here? Why are you here? The answer, as you know, is one, to learn how to kill the game. Okay, that's why you're here, dude. Second reason you're here is to learn how to handle your headers, dude. Straight up. Everyone has them, you learn how to handle them. If you have a particular set of skills that can benefit others, then it's not just your job to share it. It's your fucking obligation. In 2017, as the kill the game level moved to the right, the haters level went up. So, interesting correlation we see. This is raw data, just to let everyone know. Raw fucking data. Can you please get out of the front of the projector, sir? Thank you. We're discussing raw data. There's not something that you fuck with, dude. Knowledge is a collective observations of your life experience. So you must live, observe, report, grab. I want to show you a demonstration of an antelope handling a header. That's the antelope right there. And as you can see right there, he knows there's a hater nearby, dude, but guess what he's doing? Shit. He's ignoring the hate. See what happens. Shit. Oh no. No. Wow, a nice escape. Dude, let's see how he used my four-step method. Let's see. He ignored the hate. He never let the hater know he was bothering him. He's just doing a backflip, dude. He killed the hater with niceness because he did not kick him in the face. He could have. Could have kicked him right in his stupid gator face. And then guess what he's going to do right now, dude? He's going to fucking chill with his girl, and that's how he killed the hater with killing it, right there. Incredible. Incredible example. Thank you. The movement has begun. It's time to learn. It's time to teach. It's time to be great.
Man. <laughs> I, I love this kind of stuff. And to me, all this just feels like you have an incredible sense of uh, what people want to see, what people want to consume. And then you, 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 you're able to put this character in, into these, into these uh, like the mockumentary style. That's, that's something we've all kind of become accustomed to through the office and other things. And that's how you did your Ted talks shoot and, uh, I mean, just the character overall. It's, can I say it's got like a little, like a touch of like Polly Shore in the nineties in there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think this is something for me, like um, I think as comics, we're all searching for our angle. We're all, all searching for our, some people call it your voice, mm-hmm. uh, how you can be unique, how you can stand out. And I think um, there's just room now in the world to, to not just be a traditional normal ass stand up. You can yeah. be creative. You, maybe you have something that's different. Maybe you have a skill set, like you have the 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 improvisation. I'm going to say that word right one time on this podcast. <laughs> and you've just leaned you leaned, leaned leaned into your personal sense of humor, your personal skill set, and you said, "Look what I can do my own thing." Like my show is a traveling TED talk. Mm-hmm. Suck, suck it. Here goes. Um, I yeah. love that, and I want to. I think as comics, I know for me that just makes me it gets me excited because I start going, "Oh." Maybe I maybe I'm not built for just traditional regular stand up. Maybe there's something interesting here that I need to uncover. I need to yeah. find and then uh, create it, and not have to follow some rules that that we think are on stand up. Yeah, and and truth, my my philosophy always um, has been, you know, I don't I don't want to be the norm. You know, I want to be like I want people to like see my show. And be like, dude, that was fucking wild. Like that was, that was insane. That was like different than anything I've ever seen before. And so that's, that was, that's always been my motivation behind building, um, building this. Uh, and when I figured out that I could, I could, I could do it as sort of like a multimedia show where it's like, it, it absolutely engages the audience. It brings them into the show. It makes it no longer, cause you know, stand up is when a comedian's on stage, the show's always, it's about them. It's their show. It's yeah. them on stage talking about themselves and their experience. Um, with this particular show, it's about the crowd. It's about teaching the crowd. It's, you know, teaching the crowd something and it's bringing them into this world where they're like, they're part of it. It's not just me up there talking about, you know, my shit. It's, it's, it's me talking about their shit. And so, um, to me, it, it, that makes it a more memorable experience and, uh, it makes it a lot more fun and engaging. Yeah. you also kind of use your, you kind of use your technique of crowd work is you, you force something on the crowd and you go, why are you here? Well, yep. you're here to learn how to kill, you know, beat the haters and, and yep. kill it. And you, you force that on the crowd and then work backwards from there. <laughs> it's super fun. Exactly. And it's so fun because like, you know, I'll pull up like the slides or whatever. And then, and then, you know, I'll go in and say like, sir, what do you do for a living? And so I'll ask the questions, but they're already like prepared because they're, they're like looking at this thing and, and, and I'm going to, they know that I'm going to apply, you know, some knowledge to whatever it is that they do. And it's always, it's always a, 
it's always a hoot. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, so in, in stand up, and especially in, in Houston, because Houston's very similar to New York, we're, 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 you know, Drew talked about earlier, LA, you can do the character stuff. Houston, very, very like stand up is stand up, and you got to do your jokes, set up, punch, tag, tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you bring a guitar up on stage, like, oh, this fucking guy, look at what's he yeah. trying to do. So uh, maybe, maybe you didn't experience this as much being in LA, but did you experience some of that from the comics if you were taking sort of alt comedy presentation style? Uh, did you, did you notice that? that was uh that you get resistance from comics in that area um i mean not to my face you know surprisingly surprisingly, no i did the show at the at the hollywood improv and you know there was there was like a decent amount of comics there and i think because it's just so different that they like respected it you know because like you can have the guitar comic and they're just up there singing dirty guitar songs you know um, and, and you've seen it before you've done it. So it's like, ah, whatever. Um, but this was just like, it's, it's so different that they're like, whoa, okay. That's something I've never seen before. Respect, you know? So I think, I think that's sort of the, um, that's, that's, that's how I kind of got away with it is cause it was just, it is, it is really bizarre. It's really different. And, uh, it's really, it's funny at the end of the day, it's just funny. And I think that's, that trumps everything. Yeah, and I mean, and it's it's also got to be kind of rooted in some truth too, because you have the most disliked video mm-hmm. on Buzzfeed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> how, what was that experience like? And what, what like what do you do with the feedback when when you cre- like it's 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 like fun, but it's also got to hit you somewhere differently a little bit, right? Like whoa. <laughs> well, that was it was funny because one of my buddies who I was collaborating with at the time a lot, uh, his name is uh, Biniam Bazuna. He's hilarious uh, stand up, and he randomly like got a job at BuzzFeed just out of nowhere. And he was like, was supposed to be making viral videos for them. And he like, didn't have any ideas. Cause they, they wanted like stupid. This was peak BuzzFeed, like 2016, like just the worst era of internet video from BuzzFeed, like 10 things you didn't know you could put on ice cream, like that kind of shit. <laughs> and, um, and so he like hit me up and was like, dude, I just want to profile you uh, on Buzzfeed as Blake. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so funny. And so we purposely made it like made me very unlikable in the video. Uh, and I, I played it up to be like the absolute worst. And um, it was so funny. Cause like they had the initial title as like, meet the uh, vape god of Instagram or whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the video got so many dislikes that they changed it. Like, can you, they change it to, can you, be- can you believe this guy's the vape <laughs> god of Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> and it got so many dislikes. And it was so funny. Cause then my buddy Biniam just like quit like a week later. <laughs> he, he went there, got a job, made a profile of me, got the most dislikes and just peaced. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Do you get? Do you get? Uh, I mean, do you get a negative feedback? Maybe in, in comments and stuff, um, or do most people understand what you're doing? Um, you know, at first, the whole entire character was like was born from hate. Um, any of the followers that I had were just like hate following and like, fuck this guy. What, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's such a piece of shit. Stop being so annoying. What's wrong with your voice? All that shit. Um, and then, 
uh, as the video, as I just kept putting out content and kept garnering new audience members, I saw the shift from like, Oh, Oh, he's, he's making fun of these people. This is funny. And I, and I saw, I saw a shift in hate, especially around like 2018. Once I started, uh, sort of roasting like Cardi B and six, nine, I saw the shift like hugely happen then. Um, and it went from, that to like, damn, I love you. You're doing God's work, making fun of these people, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so now any negative comments that I receive um, are just people trying, trying to get attention. You know, like I'll get like a comment on there like, dude, you're fucking annoying. And I'll be like, thanks, bro. And they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe you responded. Holy shit. I, I didn't really mean that you were annoying. And so now it's just, you, you find a lot of times when people say negative things or they're you know, they'll send you a negative message or whatever. If you, if you like you pay attention or just like respond they they're like, Oh shit. They like, that's all they wanted. They just wanted that attention. So yeah. Kill them with kindness. That's right. Baby boy. You know, you saw, you saw the clip. <laughs> three. That's right. That is, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, Maybe is it is anything else you want to want to jump into, Brian, or is it is it time to do last laugh? Let's make him do last laugh. You ready? Get some coffee. Ready to do this? Oh, shit, dude, I'm I'm ready. It's so weird. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here's how it works. Uh, this is the last joke that you will be remembered by. It could be your joke, could be somebody else's joke. What's the joke that Aristotle wants on his tombstone? Oh, this one's so tough, dude. Um, what is, uh, <laughs> my, it's just going to be, uh, uh, right underneath there. Is your name Kyle? Nice. <laughs> it's doing crowd work. Crowd work it'll, from the it'll work. It, it'll work at some point. Yeah. Like, is That's your name cool. Kyle? Is your name Ashley? Is your name James? Is your name Jeffrey? Just keep guessing. <laughs> just keep guessing people's names. <laughs> I love that, man. Such a such a fun talk today. I think some really actionable stuff for comics who want to do a little more crowd work, want to riff, kind of explore their own creativity. Excellent, excellent kickoff to season four. So thanks for spending the time with us today and kind of diving into some of that stuff. Of course. Thanks for uh, having me on, gents. It was uh, great talking to you. Absolutely, man. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks, Blake. Bye. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.